Hello, Slate Plus. Josh oh, I thought you were Levine. waving at Slate Plus. Emily was waving. I was I like, was. Waving, waving at also the Slate Plus Josh people. Levine. Uh, hello, Slate Plus. So, the New York Magazine had a just a absolutely terrifying article. I've by uh, David Wallace Wells. It's called "The Uninhabitable Earth." It is certainly the scariest article that I've read seventy percent of. As with no, but I as with like m- the movie Open Water, which I walked out of, and this new one that previewed Geostorm. Oh. We just went to the movies to see The Big Sick, by the way, which yeah. was so good, just as you said. And there's a new, like, climate disaster movie No, I, I didn't mean that. I meant, like, oh. horror movies. That I, wa- oh. I walk out of horror movies. And because I walked out too, of it. Because they're I'm too, too scary. I'm too unsettled, yes. What? Okay. Well, that's interesting. Why yeah. go in the first place? I don't anymore. Okay. But I sometimes you'll go to a movie and you're not really sure what it is. What did you recommend. think of Get Out? Did you yeah. watch that? Oh, that was okay. But fine. it was a horror movie. Yeah. Oh actually. my god! Nope. Yeah, I was like, I was like I doing was the thing totally, where you watch through me your too. fingers. I know that was that kind of horror movie is fine. It's more like I when children are endangered, yeah. I can't go to things where yes, children yes, are endangered I'm with or, you on that. or where there's water. So open water. Water is your. You, you are mean so like, weird about water? Like it's a glass amazing. of water? No, <laughs> he needs any body of water. And yeah. he's like, he has a whole theory what about it that Jews don't swim, which is not true. No, no it has nothing to do I with swim. religion. It has to just being a sensible man. Ergo, you the are not Jewish. I, no, but see, the thing David does actually link it to religion in this way <laughs> that is extremely specific to his own uh, identifi- identity. Uh, in any case, so, so to to get back to the more serious matter at hand, that Wallace Wells article is a word. Worst case scenario of climate change. He sort of talked to a lot of climate scientists and said, you know, we tend to focus on the less bad scenarios. I'm going to imagine what it's going to be like if the very worst comes to pass. And it is just terrifying. It basically says that by the end of this century, by 2100, there will be vast swaths of the world that will literally be uninhabitable, that you will die because your body can't keep the heat down in them. There will be massive famines. There will be massive population movement. There will be huge new diseases, weird new diseases that will emerge. And cities, of course, lie in ruins, civilization ruins. And so there's been a – I don't actually we, – we shouldn't talk about that sort of scientific details of this there's been some backlash people say this is very alarmist this is you got a over- couple of facts wrong, overread some not, of the science yeah, yeah but, but not, not hugely most of it stands up yeah the, the bigger question i have is 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 this a good strategy for terrifying people we all have children who will hopefully be alive at the end of the century or certainly there are grandchildren we hope will be alive at the end of the century um is it good to scare the hell out of people in order to get them to act I switch sides on this article and this point in the course of reading it and reading other people. And in particular, when I read an interview in The Gothamist with David Wallace Wells that changed my mind. So I'm like allergic to alarmism as a general rule. In fact, like it's sort of almost a failing that I have as a writer and a thinker that I just don't like it when people dramatize and exaggerate. I think that it's often counterproductive. And I'm really drawn to that view in the climate change discussion because I worry that we all become hopeless and nihilistic about it. And it's like, okay, well, it's the party's over at the end of the century. Let's just like be glad that at least we're not going to be alive then. I mean, it gets really grim how you think about this. But I was really convinced by the argument Wallace Wells makes that we spend a lot more time and energy, at least most Americans do, imagining that it's somehow going to all be okay than we do imagining this worst case scenario. And even if it's only like one to 10 percent plausible, if you're gaming it out, that is enough, given the level of catastrophe that he is talking about, 
to spend more time thinking about it, just as we would planning for any other catastrophic, if perhaps still not entirely likely, risk. And that seemed quite persuasive to me as a way to kind of frame this and think about it. And also, there's a lot of writing, and I don't think he has the burden of being like entirely kind of reticent to dramatize. I like the idea of a the more alarmist you're going to be, the longer your piece has to be, which is to say that like I, a well thought out all of the no screws left um, rattling in the machine piece that lays out the severity of the of the threat. That feels to me like a really useful way to do it, as opposed to the constant sense of alarm, which I share with you, Emily, which is that if you're always at 11, you can't then go to 12. You can't, you know, I should say if you're always at 11 on the scale of 1 to 10. But there's something about doing it in that form, a longer form that that says everything I'm doing in this approach is being sober about this. And yet the thing is sort of sober alarm rather than hysterical alarm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, the other thing I was thinking about is what is standing between us and this eventual reality is human endeavor and initiative and entrepreneurial energy. And so if this galvanizes much more of that kind of attention and focus, that's all to the good. And, you know, Walswell says that he actually is like fairly cheery about all of the shifting to solar and wind power and how the prices have come down and that sector has developed much more quickly than people predicted. But when you think about, you know, Donald Trump pulling the United States out of the Paris Climate Treaty, we have this real responsibility in the United States right now to think about how we can make sure all of those sectors developed in spite of the president's recalcitrance. I have a few thoughts. One is that the night stuff, like the the non-alarmist stuff, hasn't been working that well anyway. So it's not as though it's not as though pe- people still shut down when they hear the yeah. the non-alarmist. So I'm not sure that 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 when they hear the terrifying stuff, they're going to shut down any more than they already have. So that's one point. The other is, it's just I was just thinking about this as a because I run a startup, and one of the things about running a startup is that you are constantly in a state. You know, both of you have the great fortune to work for billion, multi-billion-dollar companies. Um, Emily's like, what? They're laying people off, I guess, your multi-billion dollar company. Sure, so the failing New York Times. Um, but, Succeeding you know, there's never really a doubt when – if that CBS is going to pay its bills. I run a startup and I have to look at a bank account and make sure that we're going to be able to pay our bills. And that my – the people who work at, at my company, I want to make sure they feel a sense of urgency, which is that we could be gone at any minute because – you know, the, we just have, we depend on ourselves to survive. And one of the worst things that you can do to somebody is to make them scared without giving them something to do. So scaring people and not giving them ideas, practical steps that they can take is a terrible thing to do. And, and yet that's not true about climate change because there are small well, and well, large things well, that we can right. do. Right. So, so there, so, but the very best state to be in is to be somewhat scared and to feel that there are things that you can scared do because you feel power. urgent. Yeah. As long as that we, we are very good about telling people, okay, here's the political movement we need. Here's the kind of action that you can take that's going to make a difference, either individual action, which I'm skeptical of, like, you know, recycle this like that part i'm skeptical of but i don't think it can be it should be entirely okay whatever but so either that practical individual action or certainly here's here's where you can how you can push society forward um in practical ways i think it's very useful to to instill a bit fear in that way because it it gives people a sense of the stakes 
I think that's exactly right. The idea of because there is some there is local action that can be taken. There is pressure that can be put in places other than at the national level and that people on whatever issue it is. But uh, and that but but giving people places to f- take a handle of something that concerns them. This is what we, you know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, amen to what you're saying. OK, I suggest you go read The Uninhabitable Earth by David Wallace Wells in New York Magazine. Goodbye, Slate Plus. Talk to you next week.